So welcome to another episode of the Wisdom Experience Podcast, where we dive deep into our inner wisdom to do something. I don't even know what the hell, what do we do? It's a great question. <laughs> I'm not sure what we do either, because sometimes it, it's one way and sometimes, sometimes it's not Sometimes it's another quite. way, absolutely. <laughs> now, we have great conversations, is what we do, and hopefully through those conversations, we all learn something from there. And what are we going to be talking about on this episode? Well, today we're going to uh, be looking at the shadow self and kind of a, what do we mean by that? How does that fit in? I think it's going to link quite cleanly with some of the dark divine feminine and masculine stuff that we've been talking about. And we're going to understand, hopefully, uh, what it is, why it exists, and maybe even how we can embrace it. Okay, that's cool. So I think by way of introduction, so the shadow shell, cell, the shadow cell um, was a term that was coined by Carl Jung. Um, and essentially, he says it, that it describes those aspects of our personality that we choose to reject or repress. Um, and we all have parts of ourselves that we don't like or that society says is not acceptable. And so we kind of push those down into our unconscious. But they have a way, a sneaky way, <laughs> of expressing themselves and showing themselves. And a lot of times, and this is the worst bit of it, a lot of times we're not even aware of what our shadow self is. And if you get into doing any personal development work of any kind, um, if you really want to maximize your personal growth, then shadow work has to be a part of that repertoire. It's got to be a part of education um, to spend time with your shadow self. And I would argue that the quickest way to personal growth is to go directly at your shadow self. There's a saying that the obstacle is the way, which I always love that. You want to know which way to go, the obstacle is the way. You'll learn so much more about yourself. Um, and you'll learn so much more about yourself in the way that you can't hide from. Um, mm. I think other ways you can dance around or you can use some good linguistics and logic and talk your way around um but i think the direct confrontation with your shadow self and um, you learn a whole lot in the short space of of time um and i like this quote from carl jung he says that the shadow is a moral problem that challenges the whole ego personality for no one can become conscious of the shadow without considerable moral effect. To become conscious of it evolves, involves recognizing the dark aspects of the personality as present and real. And this act is the essential condition of any kind of self-knowledge. Mm. So that's from the man himself there. So dark side. Well, as part of my research and... Uh, kind of gathering of information to to come up with these few podcasts that we're kind of doing together. Um, I came across, and I don't know if this is true, you might be able to enlighten me, that Jung had a essentially a mental breakdown. And it was as a result of him having a mental breakdown that led to him developing this that his work on archetypes that now so much of, of what we encompass in personal development is, is, you know, with reference to, is that something you yeah, know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff came out of that as well. This is where I got my mandala exercise. When he was having this breakdown, he started doing daily mandalas. Um, I think I shared a few of mine with you. You have, um, you have. So that's really interesting. And when I started to look into the dark divine feminine in more of a, an explicit way, because I'd come across the dark divine, I'd come across kind of uh, understanding, looking at aspects of ourselves that maybe we weren't too comfortable with. But I'd never, I was about to say, I'd never really delved in. And actually I haven't because it it's taken me a while and, and I will come back and explain more yeah. of what I mean by that in a minute. But this whole business about actually having a breakdown, um, I, I'm now realising that lots of 
individuals need to have a breakdown so that they can find out who they really are so that they get the opportunity to embrace who they fully are. Um, so a, I, I, a breakdown to breakthrough. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's the sort of that sort of, um, uh, I can't think of the word now, but like people, you know, kind of, it's one of those things that people say, yes, you need to have a breakdown so you can break through. Uh, one of the courses I've just done was talking about actually you almost need to, to have a breakdown to open up your heart to kind of allow that light that's in your heart, if we're talking kind of metaphorically, to open up and then to connect with the greater light. Um, and I'm I'm still kind of perusing on that one. I haven't kind of got too far with it because I've been looking more yeah. at the dark divine. <laughs> no, that's right. Because I, I think, I um, you know, and again, from a Jungian point of view, and it was all about this concept of individuation, which is about becoming whole. And basically what he was saying is that, you know, through your, when you're born, you have a wholeness, but then your parents get in the way and inflict your stuff happens to you when you come into the world that then you start to develop preferences one way or another and their other preferences become unbalanced. And then the more unbalanced they are, the more they express themselves in a negative way because they're not mature in, in you. Um, and so if you want to reach this point of wholeness, then you have to develop those characteristics um, that are not your stronger preferences. And then you so can get this individuation and the wholeness. That's really interesting because yeah. that is a direct replication of what you'd be learning if you delved into the Kabbalah. So the Kabbalah being uh, kind of a, a mysticism um, refers to elements of Judaism, although technically it's not actually Judaism. And the Kabbalah essentially was saying that kind of everything was one and then it's split apart. And it's kind of, if you imagine almost a, a, a circle and this kind of splitting apart happens at the beginning and it kind of goes into this circle with all of these bits kind of floating around in this circle and kind of lots and lots of bits and lots and lots of bits. And then about halfway around, they start to come back together. And so that those bits become less bits, but bigger bits until it becomes one whole again. And, and that's talking about kind of the world, as it were. Um, yeah. Obviously, what you just described in terms of young, you can see that, you know, as soon as you said you got to the point of um, you become unbalanced and that's expressed in a negative way because it's not yet mature. It's like hmm, teenagers people in the 20s and then you can start to see as maturity Adults. kind of sits in well some absolutely all yeah. of them mostly what, okay yeah, yeah. yeah. If I, yeah. yeah. okay well because a lot <laughs> so, of people don't take this this journey i mean sometimes you get thrust into the journey you say you have a breakdown mm. or i have a loss of a parent or some significant happens that forces me to um to confront these things but we don't often go looking for this and jumping straight into it from a, you know, hey, I'm going to go and be whole again. Um, not a lot of people take that, but we do get to a point where we start to, and you mentioned um, the Kabbalah, but that's the same concept like with Zen. So you'll find this in other ones as well. So mm -hmm. you split, you have the duality and the whole thing is about becoming enlightened, becoming one again um, to, you know, you know, to eliminate this dualistic, uh, split that's happened um so you you know you find it there um yeah you I mean you'll find that that dynamic um in in lots of different systems of spirituality where you know we've become split and now we need to become whole you find it in alchemy some people you know people think that alchemy was about changing lead into gold but when you really get into and dig deep it was this process of of journeying towards wholeness again. And so it's an actual internal alchemy. And what, what was really going on, external alchemy, was just symbolically what was going on in the stages of this um, developing the union between the mind, body, and spirit. And so this 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 dynamic plays itself out um, 
in all systems, I think, of transpersonal work, whether it's you know, psychology or psycho, psychoanalysis or whether it's in, um, you know, sort of personal development, um, whether it's in your spirituality or whether, you know, you want to become one or enlightened. And that's part of that journey to wholeness um, that I think that we, you know, we're kind of on. Um, but it usually takes something to push us in that direction. And I know we have the thing called the midlife crisis. And a lot of times it may happen there where you start to question this idea of, you know, is this it or is there more or something else? But if we just, you know, concentrating on the dark side, um, I think a great book, and I'll mention this while we're here, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers is a great book to to read if you're interested in that by Debbie Ford, uh, Reclaiming Your Power creativity and brilliance and dreams um and it's a book that has loads of epis, uh, exercises in it to help you to address your shadow shadow side and you can look at the shadow side as um, again things that you repressed or you don't like in yourself and it can be mm-hmm. quite um an easy way to spot your shadow self and start to make links of parts of your shadow self is to um, notice the things that you have a strong reaction to in a negative way. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you find a particular person annoying, for whatever reason you find them annoying, it's generally less about that person than about your projection onto that person because you don't want that, you recognize that quality in you and you don't want it. And so your projection um, is very strong in that person and the annoyance that you have. Um, and what Deb before it gets you to do is to notice those reactions that you have and then embrace them and find out why you have that kind of reaction to. One of the stories I was looking to just before this, the lady, she was saying um, she was always disliked that her father was cheap. and there, and the, her compensation for that when she became an adult was to always be buying luxurious stuff, taking people out to dinner. So she was afraid of the cheapness or didn't like the cheapness in herself that she's seen in her dad. She didn't want that. So it expressed this hurt itself into her, you know, buying all of these things and doing stuff like that. And I think her breakthrough came when she was, um, I guess she was shopping or whatever, and she realized that she spent like an hour comparing just small things in the grocery store to save money. But didn't, so <laughs> she realized she was just as cheap as her dad was. And this is the characteristic that she was afraid of, but it it expressed itself another way. But so from a from a personal point of view, it's notice the things that you have a strong reaction to. Um, as uh, Herman has said, if you if you hate a person, you hate something in him that is a part of yourself. What it isn't a part of ourself doesn't disturb us. So if you don't have a reaction to it, that's not your shadow side. You'll know your shadow side by the strength of which you you react to it. And the brave part of it is then to explore why. What is mm. it in you that's causing you to have that? reaction so taking responsibility that because it's easy to just project and to blame and um and just say it's that person but really the conversation is well how is that and why is that my reaction um i get people to do this exercise and i don't know if you've done this one before but it's a great one to do and you, you you draw three concentric circles make a small one the first circle and in the middle of that circle you put um the question who who i am not the question but who i am then draw a circle around that, and in that circle is who I fear I am, and then draw another circle around that, who I pretend to be. And what I get people to do on here is like, you know, the thing that you are afraid to do or the thing that you don't want to be um, for whatever reason. So the example I'll use is that, um, uh, like, uh you know, if you take a strong criticism, like say it's taking some like you know, your present presentation and people are like, um, they have a fear of presentations, for instance, they get nervous or whatever. So inside, so who they fear they are is that they are a bad presenter or that someone's going to ridicule them um, because they're well, no they good. have nothing of worth to share. Nothing of worth to share. 
So then they'll pretend to be something else, whether it's, um, I don't know, shy or whatever, or just reticent about doing it. But anyway, do that as an exercise. If you think, who, are, who am I? Who I am? Who I fear I am? Who I pretend to be? Um, and if you can work your way back through that circle to embrace the who you really are um, versus who you fear you are and then put in the front that you that you may do in front of that. Mm, interesting. I think that's a great one for people to do. And I hadn't realised that the Debbie Ford book had exercises in it. So. Oh, yeah, it's got tons. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You, you know, I like my practical applications. Yeah, no, it's all good. Well, here's an interesting one. So, and, and a very personal one. Um, last Friday, um, I... I got some feedback and I don't often get feedback generally these days, um, but it was some personal feedback and it was really interesting. I had a really visceral reaction to it. So I literally felt nauseous, absolutely nauseous in my solar plexus um, and I couldn't shift it. And I was, so I was reflecting on this feedback and I was contemplating it and I was sitting with it and I was kind of doing all of the, the kind of the, the, the sensible coachy type stuff, if you like, that, that you would do when you know that something's, if I say something's off. So I knew that what had been said, there was truth in it, but I was st- you know, I I was finding it quite challenging to to get to that truth, as it were. And and I honestly, I, I listened to things, I read things, I I did all sorts of, of things during the day. And then, um, and I actually knew I had a coaching call that evening, and as in a coaching call where I was the client. Um, and I. I kind of thought, gosh, I'm going to be on this call and I'm actually, you know, I'm going to be in tears on this call, which is is not an issue. It was just more of a, a curiosity, actually, that I was in that stage and that I'd responded in such a strong way. I haven't had a strong reaction like this for, for years. And I was kind of, this is really interesting and I, I don't feel I'm breaking it down by myself and I need some help here and I was going round and round in circles and eventually I realised I was going round and round in circles. Um, and so I actually brought up uh, an archetype. I, well, I brought up Lilith. So Lilith being the first woman and I'm happy to talk more about her because people perceive her in a very different way than, than I perceive her. Although the way I perceive her is now kind of coming clearer to more people. But Lilith is very much, she is the energy you get when you kind of connect with Lilith or think about Lilith is she's uncompromising. And when I am at my finest, when I'm working, when I'm facilitating other people, it is when I am uncompromising in my compassion. And so I kind of in that instant when I just thought, of course, this is what I need to do. So I brought up Lilith, who a lot of people perceive to be dark, divine, feminine. And I just asked myself, okay, what would Lilith say to me in this situation? And with uncompromising compassion, hold yourself to account here. And in an instant, and I I don't, I can't remember actually making that connection and that understanding so deeply and so quickly before ever, I got it. I absolutely got it. And the validity of the feedback was not just valid in that moment, but it addressed a whole chain of things where I have been acting out of alignment with my values. And it and something that I've been really concerned about. And in this instance, I had actually played it out. And so that moment of understanding, that depth that I got from connecting with the dark divine, if you like, in this case, suddenly 
I was, I, I, I want to say I was healed because it was. The physical feeling of nausea went. My head was clear. I suddenly felt more, I'm going to say grown up, more mature than I had felt for a while in fact, ever, I think. And it was as if I'd literally moved myself into the next phase of my being. It was phenomenal. All right, yeah. What was the shadow? Um, So the shadow was uh, about, so the feeling that came up was shame. Um, And I still need to do some further work around shame and guilt and where they overlap and where they're different, although you might be able to to enlighten me on that point. But this deep, deep feeling of shame, of not taking true responsibility for myself and my energy. Now, I am one of these people who is an incredibly responsible person. People know that they can rely on me because if I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. And deeper than that, you know, it's... It's, it's one of those things that's really, really important. But this was a clarity of understanding that I don't know if it'll come across when I'm sharing it, but it was about actually I need to take true responsibility for myself, for getting my energy in the right place, at the right vibe, at the right time. And I quite often... And we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of I, I'm a busy person. So I schedule in things. But what I don't do often is I don't do what I've scheduled in at that time for that time. So I will sort of almost, and I'm going to use the term skip off and do something else. Now, the other thing that I might do might be absolutely valid and worthwhile and is also on my to-do list but it's not what I've actually scheduled to do at that time. And that's kind of avoidance, really. Yeah. So for me, and the interesting part of that conversation would be the shadow conversation that I would have is what drives you to want to, um, one, be busy or feel like you need to be busy and two, scheduling everything. So I think it's two different conversations. You're not doing the thing that you said you were going to do is a values conversation. What's driving you to feel the need to be that particular would be the conversation that I would have around the shadow bit because there's something in you that makes you want to be that precise about that um, that then throws you off the mark if you don't do if you're not that precise. So that's what that would be the interesting thing for me, what drives you to feel the need to be that precise and that you feel that you need to be busy. So when you say that precise, that precise about what in terms of how I'm spending my time? Well, that you've made a schedule and you put some stuff in the schedule, but now you do something else in that schedule um, and then you feel either or you don't feel anything because you come up for a reason why it was valid to do the thing. So you make a good excuse for not doing it. Mm. And Mm. I think that's a, if that's the middle layer, that's how it plays itself out. I think the real driver would be what makes that behavior appear to begin with. When you sit down and say, I've got to have everything planned out. What's the driver behind that behavior? And if you didn't do it, why does it make you then feel out of sorts? Um, so, and it's interesting because this is slightly, this is lighter. This is not, and, and, and I had not realized it was connected to this deep sense of shame that I I haven't connected with for years and years and years. So the reason behind why I feel I need to be so precise sometimes with my time is because otherwise I will avoid. So you know, when I, there are times when we procrastinate and there's times when we're percolating and I know the difference between the two. And so that's kind of what I'm, I'm sort of pulling at here. And I have spaces in my diary, which are kind of a, 
let's just see what I'm going to do in that space. So it's just if I know that I've got a deadline coming up, I don't particularly like working right up to the deadline, but that's what quite often I will find myself doing. So I will schedule in times before that so that I'm not going to be working right up until the deadline. However, quite often I still find, actually a lot less so these days, but it was something that I would find that actually I would, I'd I'd have, you know, this session booked in and then I'd be like, well, I know I've got a few more, it'll be fine, I won't get to it. And so actually I was procrastinating rather than using it to percolate and to work towards what I was going to deliver. Okay, so use it to procrastinate, yeah. And what what's what's okay, yeah, no, I get it. So, you know, you procrastinating because you don't want to do a thing and then the time comes and you have to do it. Um, so what are you afraid of in that situation? What's your fear? Mm, great question. Um, so what am I afraid of, which means I leave it till the last minute? I I'm afraid that oh I like this <laughs> it's like I have my own personal session um I'm afraid that whatever I do won't be good enough so therefore I self-sabotage by making sure it's not as good as it could be because then I've got an excuse then I've got a reason mm. well, I left it till the last minute or I didn't give myself enough time blah 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 blah. yeah, yeah. And, and that's I think I'm that's sure a, a lot of people identify with that that's the shadow work then isn't it so yeah. it's like you, then it's like yeah <laughs> It's not going to be good enough. So it's confronting that piece. And then you got to have that conversation. So so what's behind that? Not be good enough for who? For you, for someone in your past, for someone in your present? Who's it not going to be good enough for? So, I mean, there's a whole series of conversations that then come underneath that. But, you know, that's a great example of how the shadow self plays itself up in real life. So you have a calendar and I'm going to go all my things on it. But I still have this problem with procrastination, um, even though I've got, you know, all the modern comms and tech stuff for doing it. Um, but, yeah, underneath that, I don't really want to do it because that means i got to commit, which then means i got to put myself out there, which then means if I'm not good enough, then, you know, what does that do to, you know, my ego, myself and self-esteem and all of that? So better to have some other excuse for why it doesn't happen then for me to put myself out there. So, but then that's the conversation that you have to um, confront Absolutely. and to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. as, as you, you're aware, but um, in the week that we're recording this, you know, I'm doing five short videos on LinkedIn um, to kind of share a little bit about the work that I do and what it's like to work with me and who I am and that kind of stuff. And, Oh, it wasn't Friday. It Well, it must have started Friday, but it was Monday when it really came together. And I had to do this first video on this Monday where I'm starting to put myself out on video, which I haven't done in this way. Actually, I don't think ever. Um, oh, no, that, well, not, not to this extent. And and I'm literally feeling nauseous and sick and shameful and, and wanting to record this video to say, um, to share about you know what it's like to work with me and that kind of stuff and it was just so interesting and what's actually happened and this links with something we mentioned in our last episode was I recorded this video and and I went away and and kind of I put it up there so it was live on LinkedIn and I'm still feeling sick and shameful and now every time I think about this video because remember at this point I haven't linked the two I don't know what the shame is about and so this video is up there and I'm literally, every time I think about it, I'm putting my head in my hands and I'm, I'm beginning to make a drama out of it. And I'm thinking, mm. this is not good. I'm going to take it down. I'm going to take it down. But I was doing th- these videos I'm doing as part of a, a, a group of people supporting each other. So I kind of, I went into to that group and I was like, guys, I feel really sick. This is not great. I think it's destroying my credibility, blah, 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 blah. And the feedback that I got was actually, I think it's really natural. Um, I think it really shows people, you know, kind of what it would be like to work with you and and no, leave it up, which was great. And, and these are not people, or not all of them are people who would just say that to be nice you know if they thought it would destroy my credibility they would absolutely tell me to take it down so I still was sitting with this and working through this and and then obviously kind of got to this point and in this instance where I brought in what 
you know, the Lilith energy and the Lilith uncompromisation and got myself to this point of connectedness where I suddenly understood everything. Um, and of course, always simultaneous understand nothing at the same time. And I went, it's fine. I'm just going to leave the video up there. I'll do that. I'm going to do the ones this week. I can re-record them another time. If I'm destroying my credibility, what I'm really destroying is my need for perfectionism. Because actually, the videos I'd recorded, they're good enough, you know? They're absolutely good enough. And then I kind of went, and that means I'm good enough too. Because I'm not perfect. I'm not whole. I'm not da-da-da-da-da-da. I am who I am and what I am. And that is good enough. Mm. So, yeah, so really interesting. I would be interested in the conversation that you have with yourself around credibility and what voice, whether it's male, female, and what is it attached to. I'd be interested to know who you imagine are the people out there that are doing the helmet at blessedness and saying you're credible. So I'd imagine who you are imagining those people are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And then I would want to know, again, what are you imagining that they are seeing in that video um, and what you hear them saying about you in that video? Um, That would be an interesting conversation because, again, when we talk about shadow, here's that's your that's your shadow side having a good old time with you um inside your own head Mm. and the work the work that i think that before it gets you to do is actually trace them back through to the source of all those voices your own voice that you're having um your uh, you know why even why credibility why even have that conversation what is it about credibility that you seek desire feel you need um and what do you mean by credibility so what's your model of credibility that you have in your head that you don't think that you live up to um so i mean there's we can go millions of miles there's loads we could have a field day (laughs) because then because because you know no matter what logic um you throw at it because my logic would tell you that nobody cares what you look at mm-hmm. and nobody's actually really paying attention to your video um because there's so many other videos to look at <laughs> so, exactly so, exactly um and so it's just like and you know they're and everybody's too busy worried about their own drama mm-hmm. to worry about you so they're not even paying attention to that and and no odds one or two people who do pay attention have another issue altogether that isn't mm. about you it's about them um so there's a lot that's kind of going on there and i think the more you can get the more empowered you get into one tracing the source of those conversations in your head and the things that you imagine that are happening um and then imagining well getting to the source of it is the best thing but you can always imagine different scenarios or outcomes as well but i think from a shadow work point of view it's doing what I call the sort of breadcrumb exercise and tracing the origin of that and dealing with the origin. Mm. Um, and then, as we said in previous episodes, and just create a new story. Once you understand the origin, then you can begin to build a new narrative mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. around that. But, in, but if you never trace the origin it'll just reappear in different ways, which mm. I imagine it's a reoccurring thing for you still, um, which is why it showed itself up in the one. So now the question would be, Will it? Are you, you, have you found a way at present to be happy with it? Or will it reappear and show itself in other ways? Great question. Because yeah. obviously the way I feel at the moment, it's kind of like, yep, I'm done with that. I know how I'm going to address that. I know what I'm going to do. Um, so until it comes up again, then, uh, then, then yeah, I'm fine. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, so, but um, I am going to explore next, a little bit more. When are you making your next video? 
possibly after we've recorded the podcast or possibly not. So um, I've got, I've only got one more to do. I've pre-recorded tomorrow's and I want to pre-record Fridays because I've got a a full on schedule. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. When you you record the next one, then just notice the conversation or notice your what's going on notice your own behavior when you record the next one do you know well actually even the one that i i recorded before we started recording this today um is different it's different i am i'm clearer i'm uh in fact i i i I actually did two so although i pre-recorded today's already i actually did a second one for today and just i'm stronger my voice is stronger i've got more clarity i'm and I'm happy with, with, I wouldn't say with with me and the way I'm coming across because I think that the way I'm coming across is who I am. I, you know, I think. And what's, it's, what's the difference between the, that you and this you? Uh, that me and this me, as in the, yeah, the you that recorded uh, the first one. That the very made first you sick one when I was feeling that shame. Yeah. Um, well, the the sick feeling was there kind of beforehand, and that just yeah. exacerbated. And 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 that. And what's I the difference between that you and this you that recorded just recorded this last video? Um, that's a good question. I guess the difference is because I feel I've had an insight. What's the difference? Is, in, what's the who's that one person that did the first video and the person that did that one was the difference between those two people, which is you, but there was two aspects of you. What's the difference between those two versions so of you? That person wasn't fully taking responsibility for what she'd committed to. Right. This person is. Okay. Got you. So it's, it's totally linked. And, and that's, you know, I mean, obviously you're talking about um, before you were saying, if you are, you know, if, if something about somebody else annoys you, um, or whatever obstacle that we're Oh, here feeling. you go. Check this out. Now, notice the next time you are judging someone yeah, on credibility. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, and, and, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Notice notice what conversations you have when you're judging someone else in relationship to, or will you even, that would be the real mark of how you look at someone else's video and are you still having a conversation about credibility and doing that and what is that conversation Mm, nice nice questions yeah that'd be interesting because a lot of times but yeah go ahead well I was just going to say in terms of obviously I had kind of obviously these two things that were very big very clear things that happened in kind of quick succession connected to this physical feeling of of what i realized was shame but obviously only had the nausea to start with and had to find out that it was shame um but that's the thing that happens is actually it's you know there's lots of kind of whether the synchronicities or whether it's awareness you know there's lots of clues that happen in your world and it's starting to understand oh let me link that. Well, why, why am I feeling that? Well, what did happen there? And starting to bring that together, which really allows you to to kind of to go deep rather than to just be superficial. Yeah. Well, I think it helps you to step into your. I mean, you mm. said the right word. You step into your power because you become more self-aware. You know, there's a saying that that what you are aware of, you can control. That what you are unaware of controls you. So the more that you have self-awareness, the more power that you have. Um, Debbie Forrest has a great thing here. She says it's about the you know freedom, and freedom is being able to choose whoever and whichever you want to be at any moment in your life. If you have to act in a particular way to avoid being something you don't like, you're trapped. You're limited. You're you're limited. Your freedom and robbed yourself of your wholeness. Um. So you know that that's the driver here is that you can. You're free to choose who you want to be at any given moment. The moment you feel that you have to act or dress up or do some other Mm -hmm. thing, um, then you're trapped by that circumstance. Now, here's one for you. The challenge. (laughs) Can I just say, because people can't see the smile on your... No, (laughs) they can't see the smile on your face. They can hear you laughing now. But that was a very wicked smile at the start. Because it's a very wicked thing I was going to ask you to do. And the wicked thing was to record a video 
mm-hmm. not dressed as you would normally be dressed, but dressed in a... What would I wear? <laughs> well, like a T-shirt, you know, something that you would go to the... Um, just hang out in the back garden with the with your with your two boys. That's really interesting. And the reason, so so yes, absolutely, I could happily do that. Um, could you though? That you're yeah. going to put on? Did you recording going to put on LinkedIn? Oh, not on LinkedIn. No. Yeah, no, no, on LinkedIn. I know you could do it <laughs> I'm outside. Not put it on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I'll put it on Facebook. No, no, Facebook. No, <laughs> no, no. no that's not a challenge. LinkedIn is what I mean because you don't necessarily make videos like how you dress now for facebook because you don't have to but this that's the challenge i know doing it on facebook would be easy because well, you know, what purpose the purpose would be where you're no longer attached to this conversation of what people are going to be thinking about you okay hmm. so i'm i'm really mm, interesting <laughs> so the the interesting is more about what i would genuinely actually wear because one of the um i know what you were genuinely so that's this is that is i guess that's the whole challenge the challenge is to not be the what you would generally wear but to wear something opposite to what you imagine that you have to wear because you're doing it on linkedin okay so any t-shirt would do any old t-shirt would do yeah okay yeah great (laughs) <laughs> I'm laughing because I bought a couple of new ones yesterday. Yeah. Uh, um, but and, no, I will wear an old yeah. T-shirt. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're on. Okay, yeah, I'll yeah, do that. I will yeah, do that. Yeah. And then, I will... then you know you got some real confidence then to do your okay. thing because then it'll be about your message and not about what you look like and, if, and imagining that people... Okay, yeah, yeah. you're definitely on. <laughs> like, I mean, to the point where if we didn't have more to share, I'd be like, bye, see you. I'm yeah, going to go and do I'm that gonna now. I'm going to go make it right and, now. If you'd have asked me to do that last week, there would have been an absolutely categorical, no way, Jose, I would not have done it. Yeah. Now I'm like, bring it on. Yeah, good. I'm like, <laughs> and that, so that is the power of what I will say for me is is what I embody or, or what I perceive the Lilith energy to be. I'm going to be looking out for this video now. Don't let me down. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to be tagging you in it. <laughs> in fact, I might stick it on your wall. Yeah. Just <laughs> It's on LinkedIn. Tag me on LinkedIn when you put it up. I want to have a look. I will do. (laughs) Cool. So I I will actually make it this week, but I Mm. won't put it up until next week because obviously I've got my series of videos for this week. But yeah, great. But but that is a a, a wonderful example. And, and, And just to say, so essentially the process I took myself through, which in the end was kind of like less than five minutes, I actually did with a couple of my clients as well. And they both, I've never seen such movement so fast. And they, you know, all of us have done a lot of work to this point. We are not new to the field of personal development, um, but it was really interesting. So for me, that is what the dark divine feminine, sorry, the dark divine feminine energy is about. It is about holding yourself to account with uncompromising compassion. It is about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's about understanding that any challenge that comes up will help you grow. It will make you stronger, providing you embrace it. No, absolutely. And, you know, you're using, and we're talking about um, mythic imagination, these kind of characters help you to embody those things they become a uh, a charm as you will or a or a um trigger to help mm-hmm. you to remember that aspect um of yourself and i think that's you know one of the things and i think that was episode two or whatever we talked about mythic imagination i mean that's the link there the whole idea is being able to you know we've kind of moved ourselves away and divorced ourselves away from being able to use these various different symbols or symbology or gods or goddesses or um any number of things to which we could and we talked about inside about parts as well different parts of you to actually not try to cram everything into a mono thing but have the mini parts and have the parts have distinctions whether you want it to be lilith and oh you know we mentioned some of your other um power 
uh, source. I don't even know what, what we want to call them in this instance, but the, your, your I mythic, like that actually power sources. Yeah. I like that as a phrase. Um, I'm going to adopt that. But they help you to channel what's already in you. So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's good, and I think that's a, a you know again for folks at home to think about that and um, to have that freedom to create these different characters to which you act interact act with as your advisors or to help you to access your various different pieces of your power and the idea uh from a Jungian point of view and dead before thing um the shadow is of course an archetype um, and from Jung's point of view it was about embracing your archetype understanding or embracing your shadow self understanding not only because your shadow self does give you power too. It's disempowering, but it gives you power when you have control over it and understand its source. So for your credibility piece, mm-hmm. what's crippling you um, in terms of doing anything, when you understand that shadow self, you realize maybe that the you know you have a high standards for yourself, um, and the standard that you want to have is here, and um, so there's some and. And you have there's some strength in that that you have these standards and you want to have this credibility, mm-hmm. but you're doing it on a conscious level because um, it's important to you. So your shadow self does have this gives you strength, but what was out of control is is where you having a conversation around credibility in which it's crippling you because you don't want to appear like something because whoever you're imagining is looking at you is imagining that you're not credible and all the things are going to be saying about you and that they're not going to do. And so that all becomes unempowering. So mm-hmm. with Debbie Ford and these exercises will be, you know, one, uncover your shadow side. Two, what strengths do your shadow self give you in that instance? What's the, the positive points out of that? Um, and then do away with the negative aspects. It's the negative aspects that are crippling you or, or disempowering you or, um, in that aspect. So it's not a bad thing. Your shadow side is not bad. Exactly. So not exactly. A, good or a, bad a lot of people yeah. do perceive it to be, yeah. but it's not. No, it's just underdeveloped. Um, and and uh, it's underdeveloped. It's either underdeveloped or you have no awareness of it, therefore it's controlling you. And so being aware of it, and then being able to bring it into your control so that you can use it um, in a more resourceful way is the place that you want to be. That's where you want to drive mm-hmm. at with all of this. And it's a continuous uh, exercise because there are going to be many <laughs> parts of you or shadow sides of you um, that can come in. So it's not one big shadow that you have to have to wrestle or wrangle um i think the whole personal development or in this instance self-development um journey is uncovering all these shadow parts of you so you can reintegrate them um into yourself and i was just now thinking well what would a fully integrated whole person look like well if you go to the bible they wouldn't be um on the earth because actually so I, sorry this just kind of flew in yes. um so elijah fully integrated and then whew, flew off to heaven in his macabre yeah. which is his light body um and so yeah so so the idea is and going back to what we were saying about kind of that split and then all those pieces kind of spreading out and then kind of coming back together to become one whole um that's sort of certainly if, if you follow that kind of development or understanding a fully enlightened being a fully whole person isn't a human anymore so whew, they've gone well yeah well that's the whole idea about you know i guess behind a number of things isn't it enlightenment to get to that sort of space where you where you realize that you aren't human this is just some flesh thing that it's just a vehicle it's just a vehicle Mm -hmm. and it's about remembering who you really are which is a being beyond this being um is the journey that a lot of folks who are into spirituality are on they're trying to make that that sort of space i just kind of imagine a very 
zen-like person, someone who's very, mm-hmm. yeah, just like that. That's not, <laughs> you know, that's not, you know, not rattled or riled by much. Um, well, exactly. So somebody like um, Gandhi, you would kind of put into that or Yoda field, would you? Yeah, Yoda. Gandhi. Yoda. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yoda. Yoda. Of course. Why did we not go straight to Star Wars? Gotta go to Star Wars, man. Yeah. I'm Uh, I'm more. I like my Taoist wizards. They're that way as well. Yeah. Uh, No. That's cool. That's cool. Zen. Zen guys who are really Zen-ish. But yeah, I think that's. I mean, it's a. If you're into self-development, that's why it would be part of the journey is is, is doing some shadow work. It's got to be one of your modules. Um, so I think it's really Definitely. important to, Definitely. to try to look it's, that up. Yeah, um, I'm quite excited because obviously I am. <laughs> um, because that is something that I'm kind of working more and more with. Mm. Um, and and it, it is exciting. It is really exciting. It's, you know when we've looked at it before as you were saying in our previous episode when you were doing research you know there was a lot about desire and in and sexual energy and I definitely think that's part of it but it is only a part of it it's a key part of it um, to be comfortable with the fact that you have sexual needs sexual desires sexual wants is really important you know, but you know, the true masters will tell you again, that's something you're going to transcend as well. That's just what, the need for sex. Yeah, well, the sexuality. Or the desire that. for sex. Yeah, that you'll transcend that at some point in time on your way to enlightenment. Because again, it's something that um, is a very human characteristic um, and it drives behaviors that um, that you aren't consciously controlling, it's controlling you. Mm. And that you have to transcend that. Um, even the Stoics, I was seeing reading some stuff about Marcus Aurelius, and he addresses, you know, like sexuality and stuff like that. Um, if you really come to understand it, because like we give sexuality and things like that more power than it actually has. Mm. Well, we exactly. give it to it and we make more out of it than than it actually it is. Yeah. Um, if you really yeah understand it um but you know some people don't understand it and it drives everything that they do and make lots of decisions on it you i mean there's so much stuff that you are crippled by um this chasing after your sexuality um but as you're going through your cycles there comes a point where you let that you don't need that anymore not that you don't need sex anymore or that, but you're not controlled by that sexuality or that desire. You know, familiar with the um there's like seven different uh levels of love. And one, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the very last one is where you kind of headed to. And but but the one that's driven by sex or sexual desire is like the one of the very bottom mm. ones. Well, you can map uh, that straight onto Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah. Well, his on his needs one is that's a base level one, but I think in his needs one that that's more about procreation than it is about other things. I guess it could be about just pleasure, but I think it's that you you're still tied into that procreation piece and that because if you think we're on Maslow's, it appears at the bottom of physiology. Um, but those are the things that you need to survive. Um, so you need air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, and sex for the human race to survive, don't you? Without, mm-hmm. And so that's why it appears at the very bottom. Where you may be thinking of it at is there's three levels up, love and belonging, where he well, includes yeah, friendship, I, I intimacy, and, and family, not just... I think it fits into all of those three levels. Yeah. Um, which actually just kind of goes to show how, you know, one action, if you like, can satisfy a variety of needs. It can satisfy a variety of needs, but it also can disempower you. So if you tie your power up into sexuality, or if you tie your identity up into your sexuality and sex and all that stuff, again, that's from depending on your point of view in terms of spirituality, you kind of given up power the, your mm. true power your true Absolutely. spiritual power you're kind of given up because now you're tying it into something that 
is really just a figment of our own imagination, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) I think some of the work I was doing uh, in the sort of meditation traditions um, with my Osho, and he talks a lot about that as well. And again, from all these various different things that we have to let go of that are controlling us mm-hmm. um, if you want to reach that sort of true enlightenment. And for, of course, for him, the only way to really get to it is through meditation and to touch the true being of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's him. <laughs> I wanted cool. to ask, have you come across Marion Woodman at all? Marion? Woodman. I'm not sure what what did she write or. Make. So she's, I think she's written a book and um, she does some work uh, called Dancing in the Flames. Yeah. And the reason I mention her is because again, this is talking about. So I, she does some dark divine work, um, and her work has was a result. Also, I say a result. I was going to say a result of a breakdown also, like we were talking about young earlier. But actually, what I'm now seeing is that the majority of people who have had breakdowns and developed bodies of work were quite often in this field beforehand. Um, So it's kind of a, it's a continuation, as it were. It's just that maybe some kind of, whether it's a mental breakdown or a nervous breakdown or however you want to, describe it because it will be different things for different people um but actually that you know some pivotal point where they kind of feel that they have nothing left they've got nowhere left to go um and I just wondered if you'd come across her because as I was starting to do the whole linking of the young um thing and the um uh, something else that now I can't remember and Marion Woodman kind of came up as as part of this so I just thought I would ask yeah no and have you heard of the, um, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but the Anana ritual or Anana. And apparently she was the Sumerian queen of heaven and earth. It's not. Yeah, sounds interesting. No, but I haven't now. Okay. Yeah. So she, uh, if I understand this rightly, and I, again, I've, I've only heard this and I haven't researched it myself, um, but there is a, a ritual that she went through descending from above the ground to deep into the ground which is absolutely all metaphorical and essentially as a queen she was obviously dressed in robes and with a crown and with her orb and scepter and she was descending these seven steps and I, I can't remember why there was something to do I think with her sister and a brother-in-law or something whatever but each time she descends down a step there is some kind of demon there who is demanding that she remove one of her garments or give him an object and so as she descends these seven steps and and I haven't worked this through but you know she's taken off her crown she's given him her orb she's given him a scepter she takes off her robe and by the time she gets down to the bottom she is completely naked and from there essentially it was about her rebuilding herself now, I think there's something different in that story, as I say, that I haven't yet kind of got to or got into. It actually reminded me of a shamanic process whereby you essentially imagine yourself in front of a, a fire. And the key word is very much imagine here. So you've got a, a, a live fire that's kind of roaring away, flames everywhere. And essentially you do the same. You disrobe yourself and take off every shred of your outer trappings and then to the point where you you also kind of put your beliefs or your emotions, um, anything, anything that kind of comes to mind, you put in this fire and you see it being burnt away and to the point where you kind of literally strip off the flesh I say literally, I don't mean literally. I hope nobody does this as a result of listening to this. But, you know, metaphorically take the flesh off your bones so that you are left literally as a skeleton. And all of this old identity, all of this old trappings, anything that's been keeping you stuck 
or stale or stagnant or weighing you down is gone. And then from that, you can rebuild yourself with what feels right for you. Yeah. I do. And uh, I love that. I yeah, love that. I think that's pretty cool. You reminded me of an exercise that I do on values on that, where I, I call it the dimsel in distress because you've got men and females, but essentially um, get people to write down their top five values. And then just as you did with your steps, I'll go around, okay, you've come to a, a bridge and there's a, a troll and he'll let you go across the bridge if you give up one of your values. And you do that until they're left with their actual most important value to them. And you watch people struggle because they've got to mm. physically give you, they got to physically ball up the piece of paper and give it, give it to you. And it's when you get down to those last two that people really struggle um, in terms of which value to sort of give up. Uh, I always find that a, a, a very interesting um, exercise to do. And in Taoist practice, um, one of the things that you do is the whole death thing where you actually get buried in the, similar to your imagining the fire bit, but you get buried in the little coffin and you don't know how long you're going to be buried in this thing, but it's again symbolic of the death and resurrection mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. until you're sort of new, new being. And all these things are fascinating to uh, sort of to play with. Um, they are. Yeah. And and I guess a f- sort of final thing that I would say is, is that, you know, you mentioned about the sort of breakdown or nervous breakdown or something like that, or, or try, you know, those are, those are roots that tend to force people in that space. But the more empowering view to that is when you actively take up the mantle to, to do it without being eventually you may get forced to it but you can take on that journey as a conscious journey not as one that's been thrusted upon you because you have no choice because you've had a breakdown or because you've lost someone significant or something's traumatic happened in your life that's pushed you into a position where you you um you're yeah that you find yourself there so I agree and disagree with you at the same yeah. time. Of course, it's more empowering if, if you are able to take on that mantle consciously. Um, however, as somebody who's been through two fundamental life-changing uh, events that were outside of my control and had what I would consider to be a nervous breakdown, a mental breakdown, actually, you might still have you, know, you, you that, still have to do it. No, I'm going to say it exactly. doesn't. It doesn't make you do it. So the best, I guess, what I was trying to say is that your path through this isn't to have a breakdown. That doesn't help you. No, get it doesn't there. have yeah. to be yeah. at all. Yeah. It, but and, equally, yeah. if it if it does happen to you, and I kind of want to share that because yeah. I don't want anybody to to listen to this and think, oh my gosh, because I didn't address things, this is where I why I got to where I got to. Mm. Um, not at all. It's just it's yeah. part of your path. For whatever reason. Yeah. And I I guess that's what I wanted to make sure people know that, well, I'll just give up on this spiritual game because I haven't had a breakdown, but that's not because it, so that's. No, you don't don't need to have one. That's a route. If you do have, there are people here that will support you. (laughs) That's a route. And not everybody, again, if we think back to the hero's journey, even if you have one, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll go on the path to rebuilding yourself. Some people never recover. Some people never come back. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But you can go on it consciously and even when you go on it consciously and 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 we need to do an episode on the warriors um uh code of the warrior uh craft of the warrior that one because one of the things there is you know i tell you that question about um knowing what to do when you don't know what to do so that when you go into the space of the unknown where it's disorienting how do you find your way back because not everybody finds their way back Um, especially when you start you know, doing this kind of work, you know. And I, this is why lots of people seek guys and gurus and stuff like that to help them through the process. Um, but there's no guarantee that you, you know, once you start opening these things up, there's no guarantee that you'll or make it back. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's a brave adventure, man. It is. And, and it's fun. And, uh, and uh, what was it? As young as the greatest adventure you'll ever take is the inward adventure. That's the um, one. Nice, nice. I like yeah. it. <laughs> and you know, the other one that I wanted to slip in today, but it never came up. It was a Nietzsche one where he was saying that uh, that men 
like pl- like danger and play things like danger and play men like danger and play and women are the most dangerous play things of all that's what it was <laughs> um, my lily side loves that yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. fabulous right. oh brilliant well hopefully um you've enjoyed listening to today's conversation it's been a little bit different which is always good i think um We'd love you to come and play with us uh, in our Facebook group. We really want to have more of a conversation and hear what your thoughts are and what you're valuing um, from our conversations. And we also want to hear any questions you've got, any topics that you might want to us to address. And yeah, basically, and please share it. Um, it's great if you you know if you're liking the podcast and you're finding it an engaging conversation, which is what we're intending it to be, um, then please share it with other people who you think might enjoy that too. Awesome. Until next time. See you. Bye for now.